0: Mind-blowing! Grizzly Bear DNA Maps onto Indigenous Language Families by Rachel Fritz, August 13, 2021 Grizzly Bears in the Central Coastal Region of British Columbia The bears and indigenous humans of coastal British Columbia have more in common than meets the eye. The two have lived side by side for millennia in this densely forested region on the west coast of Canada. But it's the DNA that really stands out. A new analysis has found that the Grizzlies here form three distinct genetic groups, and these groups align closely with the region's three indigenous language families. It's a mind-blowing finding that shows how cultural and biological diversity in the region are entwined, says Jesse Pop, an indigenous environmental scientist at the University of Guelph who was not involved with the work. The research began purely as a genetic study. Grizzlies have recently begun to colonize islands along the coast of British Columbia, and scientists and indigenous wildlife managers wanted to know why they are making this unprecedented move. Luckily, in 2011, the region's five First Nations set up a collaborative bear working group to answer exactly that sort of question. Lauren Henson, a conservation scientist with the Raincoast Conservation Foundation, partnered with working group members from the Nuzalk, Haidzak, Kitasoo, Saisas, Gigaat, and Wikinoofs nations to figure out which mainland grizzlies were most genetically similar to the island ones. Henson used bear hair samples that researchers involved with the working group had collected over the course of 11 years. To get the samples, the team went to remote areas of British Columbia, some of them only accessible via helicopter, and piled up leaves and sticks, covering them with a concoction of dogfish oil or fish-based slurry. smells really, really terrible to us, but it is intriguing to bears, Henson says. The researchers then surrounded this tempting pile with a square of barbed wire, which harmlessly snacked tough of fur and the DNA contains, when bears came out to check out the smell. In all, the group collected samples from one hundred forty seven bears over about twenty three thousand five hundred square kilometers, an area roughly the size of Vermont. Henson and her colleagues then used microsatellite DNA markers regions of the genome that change frequently compared with other sections to determine how related the bears were to each other. The scientists found three distinct groups of bears living in the study area. They report this month in Ecology Society. DNA analysis reveals three distinct genetic groups of grizzly bears which align with the boundaries between indigenous language families gray lines. But they cannot find any obvious physical bears keeping them apart. The boundaries between genetic groupings didn't correspond to the locations of waterways or especially rugged or snow-covered landscapes. It's possible, Henson says, that the bears remain genetically distinct not because they can't travel but because the region is so research-rich that they haven't needed to do so to meet their needs. One thing did correlate with the bears' distribution, however, indigenous language families. We were looking at language maps and noticed a striking visual similarity, Henson says, when the researchers analyzed the genetic internal relatedness of bears both within and outside the area's three language families, they found that grizzly bears living within a language family's boundaries were much more genetically similar to one another than to bears living outside them. The findings don't surprise Jen Walcus, a weak scientist who co-authored the study. Growing up in a remote community called Rivers Inlet, she saw firsthand that humans and bears have a lot of the same needs in terms of space, food, and other resources. It would make sense, she says, for them to settle in the same areas, ones with a steady supply of salmon, for instance. This historic interrelatedness means Canada should manage key resources with both bears and people in mind, she says. The weak canoe nation, for example, is looking into reducing its annual salmon harvest to support the bear's needs, she notes. Lauren Erknert, a conservation scientist at the University of Victoria who is not involved with in the study, agrees that the findings could have important implications for managing the area's bears. It's fascinating and really shocking work, she says. The resources that shaped grizzly bear distribution in the region clearly also shaped humans, Urquhart says, which I think reinforces the idea that local knowledge and localized management are really critical. This is a citation for this article and this is my personal opinion. This article caught my eye because I felt like it broke the widely held dogma of humans evolving from the ape family. And not that this widely held belief is wrong, I mean, researchers and archaeologists or anthropologists have scientifically proved unequivocal evidence of bones adapted from those similar of an ape that slowly evolved into mammals standing on two feet, then four hands. I thought it was really interesting how this article instead also actually brings up a new belief how. Two completely different species in a specific region are so alike that they possibly have common DNA qualities. I'm also just as confused as to how the bears became externally appearance-wise similar to humans in the first place. It's not as if the humans could have made it with the bears, but I don't know how they could have become more similar to one another. Uh, This is just a personal update, but I upgraded my site domain today. From now on, it's joanna-kim.com with a few more features. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for listening, and bye!